My agent called, he said he got some interest in my script I'm glad I didn't tell him that I never finished it I got my cast of characters and outline for the plot I even got a famous classic case of writer's block Get it out of my head 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 Get it out of your head And onto the page Get it out of your head And onto the page Get it out of your head And onto the page Get it out of your head And onto the page Welcome to On the Page. This is the podcast that answers all of your questions about the craft and business of screenwriting. My name is Pilar Alessandra, and I'm the instructor and script consultant here at On the Page. Joining me as podcast producer is my husband, Pat Francis. Hello, Pat. Hello, Pilar. Glad you're here. I'm happy to be here. You know, we, we're always come, we're always like, oh, we're so busy. Mm-hmm. You know, we do all these things, and we have two kids. And then we have a guest like... Demona Hoffman on the show. <laughs> Let me tell you about Demona Hoffman. Demona Hoffman, in addition to having two kids, um, is um, a former uh, vice president at Sci-Fi for alternate alternative programming and development, where she oversaw 150 hours of programming a year, including hit shows Ghost Hunters, Ghost Hunters International, Destination Truth, Scare Tactics, and Paranormal Witness. Um, she was involved in the network rebrand from sci-fi to S-Y-F-Y. I'm not going to answer any questions about that. I okay. cannot defend that choice. <laughs> and she also championed the groundbreaking series Marcel's Quantum Kitchen. Um, she, her career began in TV casting um, and as casting administrator at Paramount TV. Um, she oversaw scripted series and pilots, including Friday Night Lights as casting executive. Yes, yes, that was when I went to NBC after oh, after Paramount. Yeah, okay, I missed the NBC part. And <laughs> plus, she served as the director of talent diversity initiatives, a program she created for NBC Universal, where she discovered and nurtured up and coming minority talent, including Hannibal Burris, Kamal Bell, Eric Andre, and many more. Um, and then let's get to the stuff that you're doing, like now. Okay, um, so. Since that time, since that time, she's expanded her producing skills by working in front of the camera as the host and expert of the groundbreaking FYI TV series Black Love. And she just wrapped uh, 10 episodes of a new series she created for FYI, which we can't tell you about. You're going to have to find out about later. Does that about do it? Did I, did I miss something? And then in, in the meantime, I also started a production company and sold a couple shows, but just in my spare time. Let's talk about it. Let's, okay. Talk. I'm exhausted just listening to that. I Pilar. know. I know. I know. What, the, the reason I wanted to have Demona on today was generally to talk about developing and selling um, uh, reality shows and also the storytelling that's involved. But you came into this in a very interesting way as not only a producer, but as a dating expert. So can you, can you tell us a little bit about that? Well, the way I started as a dating expert, I, I actually used to teach classes for actors and how to brand themselves and market themselves to stand out in a crowd and to be someone that a casting director would notice. And 
then I realized there were similarities between online dating and having a picture there that was sort of like my headshot. And so I started applying those personal branding techniques to dating. And that's when I met my husband, who you've had on the podcast, Seth Hoffman. Um, And he, uh, after I met him, people were like, he's really great. How did you meet him online? It doesn't really work. And I started rewriting other people's profiles and realized that it's really all about how you tell your story. And that was the difference between people coming to me frustrated, saying it didn't work, and then getting all of these calls that I met someone, I'm getting married, I'm having a baby. And then eventually, after I left the sci-fi channel and I was like, what am I going to do with my life? I said, well, I'd always written these dating profiles. And the whole time I was an executive, I did that just on the side for fun. And I thought, well, what if I could make a career out of that? And so I did. And so you became (laughs) this dating expert, but then you actually also created a show off of what you know. Uh, I created several shows, but not actually black love was one that they came to me. Okay. All right. Um, but it was an interesting development process and we can kind of talk about the the different ways that reality shows get pitched and made. Cause I know a lot of people are like, well, I have an idea. I'll just pitch it. Actually, that's, that's exactly <laughs> why you're on. So yeah, let's, let's start with that. Let's start with what, <laughs> how do you know when you have a good idea for one? Like you said, everybody's got one. Okay. How, what, what do you feel is deserving of a reality show? This is a really funny question because they, it always changes. Mm-hmm. And, um, we, I was actually going through like the, the agencies call around to all the networks and are like, what are you looking for right now? And they do these, these brand mandates. I used to write them when I was at sci-fi and tell all the, the agents like, this is what we need right now. And then you hear a pitch that's not on that list and you're like, that's it. I want to buy it. So the short answer is nobody, nobody knows what the heck they want, (laughs) but you have to have a general idea of what the network brand identity is. And I think this goes for scripted and unscripted, having worked in both. You, you really need to think of the possible buyers in the beginning of the process. And this is, I think, where maybe features differs from TV because you can have a really great idea, but you can't go out and fund it yourself and put it on television. You can't, well, I guess you could do an ad, but anyways, if you're going to be in primetime television, basically you need a network that wants to buy it. So I tend to work backwards and think, where could this go before I take it out? And if you don't know of at least four networks that you could sell it to, it's probably not the idea that you want to make a big investment in. Like a lot of times people will tell me, since I worked at Sci-Fi Channel, they think they know exactly what Sci-Fi wants and that it's really specific. And so they'll develop one idea that's right for Sci-Fi that can't go anywhere else. And then they're really upset when it doesn't move forward because there's nowhere else that they can sell it. Isn't network brand identity though in 2016, like it seems like the networks do a little bit of everything like, like MTV used to just be music television, but it's not anymore. They have, you know, they have scripted things that aren't music related. Like when Jersey shore was possible, I mean, popular. So, I mean, 
You know what I'm saying? I mean, it yeah, seems it's always like, evolving. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, yeah, it's that's all why the over agencies the like call the, the network executives every five minutes. What are you looking for now? Ready? And they they usually will put out quarterly mm-hmm. brand mandates because it changes, and then they'll launch something that they thought was the perfect thing, and it totally tanks for them. And then that category is off of their list for the, the that entire regime. And then they get a new network president, and the new network president says, "No, no, 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 no. We were MTV. We need to do music programming, and now let's bring all of that back." Right. So it's just constantly changing and evolving, and you really have to have your pulse on what the networks are looking for. And, you know, so much of it is relationships, too. Like, even being a former network executive, there were many ideas that I had when I was, uh, I had a production company, and they were really great ideas with really great talent, which is the other component that, that makes a good idea, great or buyable, um, sellable, buyable, (laughs) but, um, having a good idea wasn't even enough. And even as a former network executive, there were projects that I pitched that they were like, "Mm, no. And then they would give it to someone that somebody would come in with something that was like two degrees different. And they were a company that they had worked with before and their idea got bought and not mine. And I know they say all the time, there are many similar ideas and you know, you have to sign your life away if you sign a release form. But the reality is having sat in that chair, there are many similar ideas. Something would come up in the news and a month later I would in one day have five pitches on the same idea. And you think it's unique but you have to you have to really put your spin on it and know that there's probably five other people and they're going to possibly go with the person that they have the relationship with and then you just got to keep plugging at it or partnerships i think are really important in today's world and i think that as a producer is where i made a mistake because i got really lucky and i sold my first show out of the gate <laughs> and i thought oh this is like really simple i just sold a show and i got to be the production company on it and now I'll just sell a bunch of more shows. And it's not quite that easy. I then developed 40 more shows or so and sold one other one and neither went to series. And in Unscripted, you're footing the bill for all of those sizzle reels. So I think if I could go back and do that part again, I would probably partner up with a larger production company and give up some of the ownership so that I could have a little bit of a... a a budget to play with and to also have those additional names and additional relationships that could get it over the finish line at a network. So sizzle reel, explain to everybody the, the role that that has in, I would assume the pitching process. Mm-hmm. Okay. Sizzle reel is basically your, your sales piece for your idea. It used to be, you could come in with a one liner or a title. Even there was a time where you could sell something just off a title. And there's still people that can sell something off of just a title, <laughs> but for the most part now you have to have something visual for the network to be able to see and then pass around. There's so many people involved in the decision-making process of what goes to series or pilot that you may have the vice president or the director be really enthusiastic about your idea, but then they have to be able to pitch that to the VP and to the SVP and to the EVP and to the president, you know, and if it's just a one-liner, sometimes it becomes a game of telephone. And then your original idea that somebody was really excited about doesn't make it through. So now it's more likely that if you have a sizzle reel that really gives a sense of what the project will be, who the talent is, 
what the tone of it is, then that gets passed up the chain and that's more likely to, to make it through to series. How, um, the quality of the sizzle reel, does it have to actually look as if this is, this is actually a show right now and this is just a trailer for the show? Like, does it, does, does, does the, um, you know, does the sound and everything, does the quality have to be like, you know, top notch? I think this has also shifted in, in recent years um, because now a lot of people can do interviews with talent mm-hmm. over Skype. So that has become one way to get your show made. You could have a paper treatment that says what the show is. And then if you have three, two or three possible cast members or hosts on your sizzle reel, and you've done it, just Skype interviews, mm-hmm. sometimes that's enough. They just want to see it coming to life. Okay. Now, um, how, how long is the sizzle reel generally? What, what's a no-no for going over? How long is the attention span of a network executive? Oh, there we go. So it's a five-second? Uh... <laughs> right. <laughs> I, you, you joke, but there were times, like especially in casting, where you just make a decision in a blink of an eye, where decisions were made and like, 10, 15 seconds. Well, I can I, imagine that I with, know. with casting. When somebody captures exactly what you had in your mind, that makes sense as far as actually getting a sense of a show. Yeah. Would you say like know, a, a, a minute versus sizzle reel? I would say somewhere around three minutes, three two minutes. to three minutes okay. usually because you, you have to give a sense of the characters, the story, the world, and what the series would be. And you, and so you that mean, would be, I'm sorry, that would be the laundry list of what your sizzle reel should include. The things you just said right there. Oh, say it again. Yeah. And what did I say? Characters. Uh, character, world. Um, story. Story. Yeah. I don't know what I said. Uh, uh, this is what was, happens when you do too yeah, much. It perfect. It's brilliant. And then, but it's, 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 it's not really like a cookie cutter <laughs> thing. This is one thing I really love about reality. And one of the, uh, and one thing I really hate about reality at the same time is there's, n- there's no template. Like in scripted, there's a process and, you know, there's still a little bit of seasons, but basically, you know, you're going to pitch and then you're going to write an outline. Then you might write series Bible and then maybe you're going to write a pilot and then you'll produce the pilot and then you'll get a series pickup when upfronts happen. And in unscripted, it's there's just no rules. There's rolling development. You could get picked up at any time. You could do a sizzle. You could do a presentation, which is maybe 10 minutes, maybe 25 minutes. You could get a full pilot. You could get right to series. Both the series I've done on FYI Network were 10 episodes straight to series. In scripted, that is unheard of. Yeah. 10 episodes straight to series. Would you say, though, that with your paper treatment, you personally have any kind of formula that you follow that you could or again it just you just wing it based on what is the personality of the show that you're doing like would you put it for example totally the world depends. and the characters up mm-hmm. front would you put the format of the show would you put you know like- i lead with whatever's the strongest thing that's going to grab them so like right now i'm developing a show that um really I'm developing something around a piece of talent, somebody that I worked with before that I was just like, this guy needs to have his own show. And so I'm gathering information um, from all the different networks about what they're looking for. And I'm, I'm really completely changing the pitch for each different network. So like one pitch is for History Channel, one, hit, one is for Food Network. Completely different projects, 
but the talent is the thing that I'm selling with this project. So I'm really leading with him. This is who he is. This is his background. Oh, by the way, here's some format ideas. And then when I see, when I see their eyes twinkle, when I pitch out a particular idea of, you know, maybe I'll pitch three different concepts and I see their eyes twinkle on the third one. Cause it's always the second or the third one. It's never the first, never lead with your first, your best idea first huh. in oh, a pitch. That's good. That yeah. Really good to know. Yeah. Um, and it's always that thing that you think oh, they wouldn't even like that. You just kind of throw it in and they're like, that, I love it. <laughs> so, um, I, I just lead with the strongest thing and then, um, figure out where they're, where they're getting excited and then double down on that. So, so we're all, ta- we're talking about the hook here, right? And, and for writers, whether they're doing scripted material or unscripted material, that's what they're always looking for. What would you ask yourself if you were one of these writers as far as how to find the hook of a project? How do you find out what's special? How do you find out what's special? Oh, well, I think, don't you know? Don't you know in your gut what, what drove you to want to write that story? So a lot of it is your own passion for it. That's the thing that made you, that whatever triggered you, that could be the hook then? Yeah, and... It's funny, I t- we talk about, the, this is like dinner table conversation for me and my husband being two creatives, but um, I, I always say to start with your why and start with your connection to it because there's a lot of great stories out there, but the thing that always separated the good ideas from the great ideas when I was sitting in that network chair and hearing four to six pitches a day was when someone had a passion for this particular talent or this particular idea, this particular project and why telling this, why you're telling a story and why now that made all the difference. I love that. There's another question that I tend to sort of be a little bit hard on my students when they're like, I have a reality show thing, you know, and they'll say something and I'll say, okay, how is that not survivor? What is the difference between this and that reality show that we've seen a million times. And to me, the, the answer to that question, what's different, often is the hook and what they should have led with uh, as well. Do you, do you agree? Do you think that, that that thing that makes it unique is mm-hmm. also the hook? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think that there's just so many ideas out there that it, it's probably going to be derivative of something. So... Um, know what it's derivative of and tell them why it's different. Got it. Because that's what they're going to be thinking the whole time. Isn't this Survivor? No. And I'll tell you, this is not Survivor because like, you want to answer the question before it's asked. Nice. Makes sense. Yeah, that's really good. Or even saying sort of, you know, to appreciate, you know, what came before it. You know, it has the, you know, excitement and drama and personal intrigue of Survivor with this element, you know, yeah. it has this extra thing that nobody's even thought about. Well, even yeah. back in the eighties, going back to survivor, I'm like really old timey with my reality shows. Sorry. Well, even back in the eighties after Die Hard, then everyone was pitching movies like it's Die Hard on a boat. It's Die Hard on a plane. It's, you know what I mean? Yeah. That so kind of thing. Having a little of that. Yeah. Um, I would imagine, you know, again, for, for scripted people as well, someone like you who has always been able to describe people whether it was a romantic dating profile or whether it's pitching talent in, in, a, in a reality show, that you must also be able to... Like, how do you find and capture in words the personality of a character? Oh, 
That's deep, Pilar. I know, but you know, you, you, got, you got skills, you know, clearly that it's, it's something that you're very good at. Well, in reality, I mean, a lot of times you have the tape to, to sell the person and it's about like finding the right sound bites that show like for this talent that I'm, that, that I'm pitching right now, it's like, he's, he's a classically trained chef, but he's also fun and funny and he has, he has knowledge of cocktails and all this other, other stuff. So it's like, I would find sound bites that really show his playful side, but then also emphasize his classical training. So it's like everything you're thinking about that person has to be distilled into one line, one sound bite. And that's, that's the other thing I love about, about unscripted. It's just, um, it's, it's so concentrated and you just have to really like choose your moments wisely. And that's, this is where I'm going to defer to both of you. So, uh, Pat, you've been a story producer, um, on several reality shows. You want to tell people some of them? I mean, it goes back to, it goes way back to taste of America on the travel channel. Yeah. And you know, most recently stuff like naked and afraid. Yeah. And so, so I remember like Pat, like, He's. Did you call me or did you text me? You're like everybody's naked everybody's on the naked. show. The raw footage. They're really naked. I'm just and afraid too. And everybody's bits, right? Yeah. It's just like and like after, all day long. You're looking at people's bits. And then when I came home, she was. What was that like? I'm like after three hours, you don't even. It's not even a thing. <laughs> but there's a lot of bending over to make fires. Well, in I told that. Her, oh, real naked people don't look like Matthew McConaughey. <laughs> You know what I mean? <laughs> when they bend over to pick something up, everything bends there over. There you go. Like, yeah, oh. It's not so, the same. So I'm going to defer to both of you as far as the kind of storytelling mm-hmm. that comes out of footage. So, um, you know, if you think about scripted material, uh, you know, there's footage in people's brain, right? They have these scenes and these moments, these, these characters, people are talking on their brain and they're trying to organize it into a story. So this, this is relevant for whatever you're writing. You just happen to have filmed footage. Right. Okay. So I don't, well, but it's like we have, we almost have to back it up because I, I think sometimes people think that the the storytelling begins when you look at all the footage and see what you have. But the storytelling actually began two months earlier before you started filming anything. And like the two series I've done on FYI are docu-series. So they're, and, they're, and their style at FYI is very honest and documentary style. But still, somebody planned out all those story arcs and figured out what kind of situations to put the characters in so that they could get a particular emotional event. Okay, so so tell us about that, and then we'll go into the story-producing side after that string out is, has created. So a, a well-produced show will have all of the episodes beat out in advance before you shoot one frame. You know who the characters are, what their arc is for the overall season, and then you have a general idea of maybe themes of episodes. And then as you're starting to film, you break it into smaller chunks and we look at, okay, what scenes do we need to achieve that theme for this episode or that, that to move the story along so that that character, Oh, excuse me. So that character, I talk with my hands, I get excited. I have no idea what you mean. (laughs) So you want to see, know that you're moving that character along the story 
their story arc. And of course things happen differently and then you, you adapt and then that's how it, it really becomes like a, a living document and a, and a constant process of rewriting where you'll look at what happened in the field and then think, okay, we thought this was going to happen in episode two, but now we have to shift that or push this down to episode four. So like you'll have a board the same way. And you know, I've, I've taken classes at, on the page with Pilar. So I understand, um, you, you, you have a board the same way that you would, if you're, you're writing out a, a scripted show and it's just that you're moving pieces as they're happening, and then you get in the edit bay, and I'm sure Pat will be able to talk more about that. You get in the edit bay, and then it changes again. Yeah. So, so how does it change? Do you- well, what you thought you might get in the field, you didn't actually get. You got something different, hopefully something better. But you know the intentions based on... Right. Okay. Yeah. And so then, then you have to, you have to craft to, it toward that end? Yeah, you have to go towards that. Ah. So does that mean sometimes maybe cutting off a moment like like let's say let's say somebody asks a question okay. and the the answer is boring mm-hmm. <laughs> like you cut it off at the question so that people think that whatever was answered was really exciting well, sometimes they'll make that answer happen whether <laughs> yeah. it happened or not that's what i was going to say yeah. so you you have like your paper cut of this is this is what we have and mm-hmm. this is what this is how we see the episode going and then there will be holes where it's like, we need something that demonstrates this. And so maybe it didn't happen in that scene, but maybe somebody, an editor needs to go and find that scene somewhere else. Or this is why so many of the, the reality shows you have those sit down interviews where you have the hosts like me commenting after the fact, because if we didn't get that, that big moment in scene, then they write it for me. And I sit there in front of a camera in a studio and I say, I can't believe when she asked that question, he just looked at her dumbfounded. How come he didn't have an answer for that? And then suddenly now it's bumped the energy up and it's gotten you at home to think that same thing that they wanted you to think, but when it didn't actually happen in scene. That makes sense. Yeah. That makes sense. Or they Frankenbite something together. Yeah. Oh, there we go. <laughs> that's that's, that's uh, the other it's, thing. It's manipulative. And th- this is the thing, like, this is why I get so excited now working on this side of the camera, too, is that, like, I can see the producers' minds working, and I can see them telling the stories in their head as they're going along, and... Anything you say can and will be used against you in the court of reality TV, and it's very interesting to me being being a, like an old fogey in reality TV and seeing the new people when they don't they don't realize. You think it's it's so ubiquitous, and oh, everybody understands how reality TV is made. It's not, you know. And they'll go and they'll make a phone call while they're on mic, and it's like. They're, that footage is going to get used. Yeah. Well, Everything, all, all the private conversations or, you know. I think everybody also thinks, oh, but not me. You know, but that won't happen to me. Like, I would be too too smart for, for all that, too. Yeah. You know, um, but you're right. Some of them are just so young. They don't. It's happened to right. me. You know, and there are even situations that you don't, it's not necessarily them manipulating it. But there was one character uh, on Black Love who wanted they wanted her to say i'm a high-powered executive and she's like that sounds corny i'm not gonna say i'm a high-powered executive 
guess what? She just said on oh, mic, I'm no. a high powered executive. Oh, no. oh, and that's what ended up in the show. That's a perfect example. That must have killed her. Oh my God. It does. Because they don't realize that the, the talent sometimes doesn't realize that the cameras are always going. Always They're always going. recording. Everything's going and going and going. Now, for, here's the thing too, is um, I think there was so much pushback from, you know, audiences saying, oh, it's not real and, and, and exactly what we're talking about right now, you know, exploiting people and all this stuff. But the thing is, People do go to this willingly, but also I think audiences have changed now and they understand it's entertainment. They're not there really looking into completely real lives all the, all the time. They understand there's an entertainment aspect of it. There is, and it depends on the show, but what I can tell you from my shows is that even though certain scenes are set up by producers, what's happening is real and the emotion is real. And it's like the same thing like with Survivor. That entire... That entire world is fabricated and all these games, like, of course it's very produced, Mm -hmm. but those emotions are real. And when you're in that situation and you're away from your family and you haven't eaten and you're hot and sweaty and you haven't taken a bath, your emotions are running high and your, everything is a trigger for you. And so a lot of those outbursts that you see people have on those super fabricated shows are very real because in the moment, that is really what they're feeling. The stakes are, are there. Yep. You know, they want what, what they want in that moment. That makes a lot of sense. One thing I was, I was pleased with, um, I was catching some clips of black love and, um, uh, I thought that the women were nicely supportive of each other because they were sort of all on this adventure together and the drama came from the stages of their adventure and, you know, can they do this or can't they do it? So because they didn't seem to be competing with each other, they weren't trying to sabotage each other or talking behind each other's backs in anything more than sort of a playful way. Mm-hmm. Uh, at least that's what I saw. I looked, I was like, wow, you can be entertaining yeah. and not be catty. How oh nice. yeah. And they're all still friends and they take photos together. I mean, I will say the show's not coming back. So I don't know if we, we all kind of hung our hat on. This doesn't have to be some like pull your weave out, <laughs> cursing, waving your finger in somebody's face kind of show. This is a show that can show black women who are successful and are, and, you know, are like professional upstanding women. They don't have to stoop to that level. I don't know. Maybe that's not what America wants to see. I have no idea. And there's so many factors in whether a show is successful or not. It's like, where is it scheduled? Where is it promoted? What is the title? Who is in it? Whether it taps into the cultural zeitgeist at that time. There's just so, so many factors. And that's why like, I'm going back to old ideas that I pitched like six years ago because I'm like, maybe then it didn't work, but now things have shifted and people have shifted in positions at networks. And um, I, I just think you, you, you always kind of end up having to go back and reinvent yourself and not throw the baby out with the bathwater. Well, it was refreshing watching your show because, you know, after the, the, all the Real Housewives incarnations, I mean, those women never don't really seem like they're friends at all. But that's, always that's, like, that's what they're you not. tune in for. Right. I know it is. But <laughs> so it was nice. watch that. Right. They, if they don't start fighting within like five minutes, But it was nice to see minutes, a show when, out of when mm-hmm. they're not doing that. You yeah, know what I mean? Is. It is. And I don't know. Are there, are there shows that are, have like five guys and they're always fighting? I don't think there's. No, but, but also I think it was the structure of the show. Right. Like with Real Housewives, they have nothing to do except go to parties. 
parties, whereas like with a show and like, drink, yeah, yeah. like right. Black Love, there were stages. You get of, Botox. Of, it's amazing. It, they were actually what like think it was sort of workshop one or workshop two, and yeah. and you're supposed to sort of advance right. in who you are and 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 all that. It was like kind of watching people go through a cool class, you're right? You yeah, know, which yeah, you know. It, so so that's a dis, a distraction. Mm. It, it's that's entertaining enough without all the fighting. Yes. Um, okay. So you had mentioned you have your own production company and, um, and that you had sold something right out of the gate, right? Is it the one that you just did or is this the, is this going no, back? No, no, this is going back. Um, it was a show that was on destination America. Okay. Um, called the paranormal project. Ah, I, I, not the original title. I pitched it as titles are really, I get really stuck up, stuck on titles. It's, a frustrating thing in reality <laughs> but um yeah that was that was my first show out of the gate and that came from i just i just left sci-fi and um i was just sitting around i don't know watching i think i watched a commercial for um for oh my gosh what is the name of that that movie where it's like the the real paranormal activity oh, yes. okay. um and i was like that'd be cool like if people could investigate their own houses, if people could investigate their own haunted houses, that would be cool. So we, I went to um, the, the executive producer of Ghost Hunters who had just left as well, and I said, what if we pitched this idea? And he was like, let me think about it for a second, because he has to think about, I'm not going to be on set filming it. Like He has to think, how could we film this, and how right. can we get the story to move along the way that we want and um, then he called me back and was like, I think we could sell that. So we pitched it to, I think, like 11 or 12 places, which is really unheard of to have that many networks to go to. But, you know, as Pat said, a lot of the networks are kind of moving over central. A little bit of everything. Yeah. But for a ghost show, too, yeah. that was pretty unusual. But we got one offer. We had a lot of interest, but we got one offer. And so then we moved forward and we were like, okay, we have to have a production company to produce this. And so then suddenly I was a producer at the same time that I was starting my dating coaching business. So I just said, oh, well, I'll try both and, and see, see what happens. But, you know, I, I still now produce. I don't have the production company anymore. Um, but I still, I still produce, but I now go to other production companies. I'm like, you guys can pay for this. Right. You can pay me less. But you can pay for this and and have the all the production drama on your head. Like that's the that's another big difference between scripted and unscripted is the unscripted producer and production company, you're responsible for everything. Like literally, you're holding the insurance, you are you are footing the bill. If you go over budget, it is on you. There's a lot of times not a studio that's backing you where you can just go to the studio and say, Hey, let, can we get breakage? No, you are breakage. So, um, there's a lot at stake for reality producers and you don't in most cases make as much money as the, um, scripted producers. So it, it's a different game, but at the same time, then you, you really are driving the train and you get a lot of creative input. I have a question about if someone wants to pitch a show, do they? Do you think it's better to partner with a production company and then take it to a network, or just take it yes. straight? Yes, yes that's, that's what, what you say. Yeah. Yes, just, especially if you're unknown in the unscripted space, mm-hmm. unless you are like I don't know J.J. Abrams or something. Yeah. 
if you're an unknown in this unscripted space, you've got to you've got to hitch your your wagon to a horse that they know. So you first have to you have to get the you have to pitch it to the production company and get them interested enough to want to take it to them. And then the production company has to pitch right. and it just keeps going with it just keeps going. It just keeps going. It just keeps going. Now, when you partner yourself with a production company, how much, what do I want to say? How much credit do you lose personally? Like, are you ever going to get a created by credit? Do you have to share that with someone? Um, that's just, all a negotiation. Okay. It's more like um, you're losing some money, but at the same time, Unless you are going to be the production company right. on it, usually the the general rule of thumb is they get ten percent of the budget, mm-hmm. the production company. So they may give you three percent, four percent, somewhere between I don't know two and five percent, which would be you know half of what they're taking home. But they're taking on all of the production, all of the right. risk, hiring all the other people. So um, I guess you I didn't, want, I didn't yeah. mean so much money as as. Um, credit for the show. The, the, uh, the, it really, de- yeah, the it really depends on, you know I mean? it depends on the network. Like mm-hmm. some networks don't give created by credits. Right. That's just not. A, so you get a producer credit of some sort. You would get a producer credit. You, you might, hopefully you'd get an executive producer credit yeah. if it's your idea, Yeah. but sometimes not. And sometimes they'll make a deal with you and then they go to the network and the network's like, we don't know this guy. Let's, you know, we, we're going to whittle that down. So you have to be prepared for stuff like that going in. Don't think that you're going to go in and immediately be created by executive producer by and all that kind of stuff. You just have to be prepared for that to happen. Yeah. But if you're passionate about this project Mm -hmm. and you, you, you've got to stay close to it Mm -hmm. and, and continue to fight for yourself. And usually what they tell you the first time is not the answer, (laughs) you know, cause this is just business, you know, they're like, no, 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 we, we can't give you an executive producer credit. We already have too many people or we, you have to share your card. And you know, if you really believe that you deserve to be on that first card, you gotta, you gotta speak up and fight for it. Cool. I'm going to, I'm going to sidetrack a little bit to something that I find so fascinating. So, um, you have a a website is called DemonaHoffman.com, right? It is. And you blog from that website? Sometimes when I'm not in production. (laughs) And you, you, um, I've just put out a new quiz or about, or about to, um, today it It just launched today. Cool. And it's called which movie genre is your dating life? And since this is uh, a podcast about, movie writing tell us where this all like tell us what does this mean which movie genre is your dating life so i i took a bunch of um information on different personality types and um you looked at a lot of different sociological and psychological studies and most people can fall into a few small categories so i've i've put together four categories of, of films that you tend to play out in your dating life. And, um, I, I made it into like a really quick, fun little quiz, but the results I've been getting so far, the feedback has been really positive and people are telling me that it's very accurate because it, it really is based on, on real, uh, personality types. But I just, I just, 
put that fun spin on it coming from the entertainment world. And so, you know, people can take the quiz for free and then they'll get dating advice from me. Can you apply this to your marriage as well? This, can you do what, what movie genre is your married life? I'm just, you know, I curious. might do that in the future. My new show is about relationships, um, people who are already in relationships. So I might twist that in the future and, um, and do a little rewrite on it. But for now, it's for your dating life. Because but you know. can still take the quiz. Right. If, <laughs> if, you, if, you, if you find out that your, your married life is really comparable to American beauty, then you got sort of a, oh, a you problem have to fix going something. on. Yeah. You have to rewrite that love story, <laughs> right? What, I'm just curious, what genre do you tend to find? Is there a majority of, of, of the people that fit into a certain genre? So far, I've gotten a lot of epic romances. <laughs> But um, I launched it first with my sort of social media circle. Uh, By the way, I'm on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and all that, at Demona Hoffman. Excellent. (laughs) Thank you. But um, a lot of the people I tend to associate with are like very type A Uh and idealistic. And those are all epic romances or fantasy films, which is my type, Hmm. which, um, you know, we we try to we try to create the, the life that that we want. Where does Silver Linings Playbook play into that? I think that was me. I think... Uh, <laughs> that one wasn't one of the options, no, but maybe... there's I can... nothing with crazy girl and, and, and even more crazy guy. No, nothing? That's, that's, that's uh, another genre. I'll think about go that. back and rewrite All it. Right. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah, it's there. DemonaHoffman.com. It's fun. <laughs> Demona, you have been... So great on this show. I she see, didn't I, have much information. <laughs> just not enough information. I do just want to say, though, I, I know a lot of the people who are listening to your podcast are screenwriters or TV, TV writers. Writers. and. Coming from scripted television, moving into unscripted television, voluntarily, mind you, I just really want to emphasize how much of an opportunity there is in reality to be creative and have a creative uh, input and sh- and shape a story in a really interesting way. And just because the footage is all there doesn't mean that you're not writing it. Mm-hmm. You still do have to write these sound bites and you still have to really use your storytelling mind to be able to craft the, the arc of an episode. And so I think sometimes there's a feeling like of looking down at reality and like, oh, if I have to take a reality job or, you know, that, that it's, it's the lesser television medium. And for me, I found it was really not at all that way. And, and as an executive, I really loved to be, I I got closer to the material than I would if in a scripted environment. And, you know, as a producer, I just felt like there was such a playground to be able to just develop whatever I wanted to do and bring all sorts of new ideas to life. And, and, look into worlds that that we haven't seen before so if anyone's listening that that maybe has an opportunity to try try out reality i just say do it like you you never know what you're going to find and it's it doesn't mean that you're not writing it doesn't mean that you're not storytelling it's quite I the opposite. absolutely agree, which is why we have you on the show and why we're doing this on a, a podcast that's about that's mainly about scripted work because i Absolutely agree. And I see a lot of very talented writers getting work in this field, but that doesn't mean that they're not also writing uh, a feature at home if they want to. But many of them 
then do decide to make this their, their career that it is just as fulfilling and mm-hmm. like you said, just as creative. Yeah. So uh, so thank you. I, and I appreciate that. There's so many different colors and, and nuances to the reality. Like everyone, everyone sort of lumps it all in together. But there's docu-series. There's competition. There's uh, recreation. And like recreation, you are writing the story. You're writing a script that actors are going to play out. So um, there, I, I, just, I just encourage everybody to, to just... Just play and see what else is out there. Oh, I have a, a question for you, and it's going to, of course, lead to my own self-promotion for a second, but I have to ask. So I'm thinking, because I've seen this happen in pitching, and it works just fine. And I'm doing a first draft class. It's going to start up again September 10th through October 15th. You've taken it, okay? Yeah, I love it. And, um, and the idea is that in, in six weeks that you break story and you outline and you do your scene work and you're deep into pages by the time that you leave. Um, some people even have like a sketchy first draft, right? But I was thinking there's no reason based on what you said that you can't do this with a reality show in a way. Because if, if like you said, you're kind of figuring out the whole arc of a season, could you do sort of a, a sequence outline uh, like you would a If you imagine a season as an entire movie, right? And each sequence is a show. Could you get there? Do you think that you could actually develop uh, a reality show in a first draft class? Just, I I don't know, putting you on the spot. You could. I'm supposed to say yes, right? But but, um, yeah, I mean, for a docuseries, it's different if it's a format and it's basically the same formula every episode. But like I said earlier, like all of this work is related to everything else. And I absolutely think this is not you like paying me to plug (laughs) on the page, but I absolutely think that the work that I did with you, I did, I did that. And then I did, um, also, uh, weekly class. Yeah. I did like a weekly writer's group with you for a long time. And so I, I feel like understanding story really, impacted my work as a network executive, as a uh, reality producer, and even now as, as reality talent. I'm thinking in my head as I'm coaching people and doing what I, what I do as a dating coach, I'm also thinking, okay, is this giving them the story that they want? And I'm talking to the producers about what the, the outcome of this scene is so that I can drive the story to that point. So every experience that you have and especially doing doing the first draft class will help you in whatever your next step is well thank you yeah and being able to organize your thoughts because that's that's a really important thing that that i learned here it's like everybody goes oh i have a great idea or i see this movie or here's the log line yeah but how do you how do you make it happen and put it into smaller manageable chunks that add up to a larger pie and I'm very happy. I've known you since you were a baby writer. You and Seth, actually. Yeah. And now, now you're like big hot shots. And Stop. we have mentioned Seth a, a couple of times. When he was on, he was um, a uh, writer-producer at The Walking Dead and um, has moved on to developing his own things. And we're not going to embarrass him, but we are going to shout out to him. Hello. Hello, Seth. <laughs> um, Pat, uh, do you want to tell people where they can follow you and um, and also follow your podcast. You can find me at Pat underscore Francis and you can find my podcast at Rock Solid Show. Um, it's also on, you can 
get the podcast at art19.com. You can get it at iTunes and get it at Podbay. Oh, you know what? We, we forgot to mention Demona also has a podcast. Everyone has a podcast. I'm, no, but, but Demona, like, like the fact that you do all this stuff and, and you has, have a podcast. And has time. So what's your podcast? So I have people- no time. <laughs> but every week I am at on Dates and Mates with Demona Hoffman radio show. So we're on iHeart and Stitcher and, of course, iTunes. Everybody's on iTunes, right? Mm-hmm. And then we, we broadcast live from UBN radio um, in Hollywood. So then you can see the video, too, and see... See how I look when I'm not spending two hours in the hair and makeup chair for TV. Well, you know what? I, I can say you look good. So really? there you I go. I don't have a stitch of nothing on. Well, I, brought, I, I put on a hat. That's I, it. It's working for you. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks, guys, again. Thank you, Demona. Thank you, Pat. And thanks to everybody for listening and have a good writing week. 